Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 342. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez, that is at, Prez, at underscore President on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing uh, on this Thursday evening? You almost led the people to a doppelganger. You almost led them astray, Shwin. I know, yeah. I wonder how much, I would have to pay to, how much oh, I would have to pay to get that handle. I don't even know who has it. Probably. Yeah, we don't know who has it. It is some person in some language I don't know. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm doing all right. Uh, good to hear. Um I am also doing all right, and we're going to talk about why we're doing all right instead of great, because the Knicks lost yesterday. But before we do or that... all right instead of panicking dramatically like fucking half of these dramatic-ass Knicks fans do. Jesus fucking Christ, relax, yeah. y'all. Yeah, I've definitely never been one of those people. Um, <laughs> all right, before we get started, do you have to make a few announcements? The first thing that's Strickland... As an Instagram, check that out. That is at the Strict Online. Instagram posts all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are, and you have not done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. Also, leave us a comment. That would all be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise available on our website. You can find that at www.strict.land. There'll be a link that'll take you to the store there. And you can find all kinds of cool shit on there t shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it. We've got it. Again, you can find that on our website. Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland. This podcast that I was talking about with Prez, you also get access to Takes from Obby's Bozos, our newest podcast that is hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, alongside Zach. They take your takes that you submit in our Takes from Obby's Bozos channel, and then they grade them uh, on the pod. So check that out. Strickland also has a Discord. Yes, a Discord where you can submit your takes for take, takes from obvious bozos and generally converse with other Knicks fans. It's very fun. Definitely recommend it. Uh, there are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strictly Normal, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks and more. You also get access to Strictly NFL, our newest podcast that is on, you guessed it, the NFL that is hosted by Constantine and Jeffrey Rasmussen, who you will be familiar with from the rundown. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, $100 tier. comes with a variety of additional benefits, like listening on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, and this will be possible without you. And none of this will be possible without Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues kicks off this week, and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With MLB postseason, NFL, and college football, and NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport, anytime. Head to the Bet Online 
app today and get it on the action. Don't forget to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Um, all right, so the Knicks played a basketball game yesterday. Uh, they lost to the disgusting and dastardly Celtics, led by um, the grotesque, inhumane, shambolic excuse of a human being named Christoph Porzingis and uh, Jason Tatum, who is on his 15th year of being just 19. Um, I don't know. I wasn't really that upset about it. I mean, I was upset, like, obviously that they lost, but I had them losing this game, uh, which maybe it's part of it, but also, like, I don't really know that... I don't think this game deserves a shit ton of analysis because I think... The Knicks played a really good... I think they played really good defense. I want to say that. I think the Knicks defense was pretty fucking excellent in this game after the first quarter, especially. Um, that was my main I, takeaway, to be honest. Like, we can talk about all the other stuff, and we should, right? Like, you know, within reason and understanding that this is the first game, and it's one game, and this guy's not fucking falling, and the Celtics aren't going to eat your children or whatever. Like... The main thing, the main takeaway was like, it, for me, I'm like, yo, we were good at offense last year. We're probably going to be good at offense this year. I don't know if we'll be top three, but we'll be all right. The main low-hanging fruit for us is, can we play consistent defense? They played defense in the playoffs. They did not play defense in the regular season. And we know which individuals were uh, mostly uh, to blame for that. Um and all that so you know that's what i was looking for was like how do julius and rj look are they locked in how's their technique how's their effort how the centers look are they healthy you know shit like that and is evan fournier still alive is evan fournier still alive and on the court court. (laughs) walking around with lead weights right right (laughs) you're right i shouldn't even be worrying i should just be worried that he's alive and camera didn't even cut to him once um they showed but him yeah, once at the end, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. You do be on the Knicks. Yeah, he's a cheerleader. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he was wistfully looking at the broadcast of the Wemby Spurs game after uh, he was finished doing two hours of sitting or whatever. Speaking of cheerleaders, I did find out, uh, or I saw yesterday on Instagram, that one of the Knicks City dancers is Indian. So uh, I think that is really the official sign that we have made it in America. Shout out to Mr. Dolan, such a <laughs> such a astute progressive astute mind. businessman, such a progressive mind, and such an astute businessman that our New Jerseys are sponsored by ourselves, <laughs> sponsored by the Sphere, or sponsored by Sphere. There's no the. My bad. Yeah, uh, it's like the CIA. It's like CIA. You know, you don't say the. You don't need the. I mean, you do say the CIA. You say I'm CIA. You don't say I'm the CIA. Oh, that's true. Jesus, that's yeah. true. That you meant like third person. You're not no, like, no, hey, no, no. do you work for CIA? Like it's fucking Target or some shit. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but not like our defense looked solid. I mean, Julia's effort was like a little all over the place. Um, but like Julia's shit was a lot harder to figure out aside because we know he can. It's just a matter of will he, right? Always with RJ, it was more. Last year, like sometimes it was effort, but sometimes I was like, I don't know if this motherfucker can move and react fast enough, <laughs> or you, or if he even knows the right technique. But um, he was doing well. He was doing his thing. 
Mitch and Hartenstein both look uh, spry. Um, quickly and Hart, as usual, look great on defense. Grimes had to defend Tatum a lot, which is tough for anybody who's not above six seven. Um, that guy gets stronger every year. He was a uh, he was even moving Julius a couple times, which is not nothing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, if they can just keep up this level of activity and all that, then even if Julius here or there, or RJ here or there, have like occasional lazy nights on defense. Their defense is going to be a lot better, man. And it's like one of those things that it didn't really bear talking about that much in the offseason because it's literally just like, okay, can they please just be in shape and do the things? <laughs> like, it's not like, oh, can you tweak your shooting technique and maintain consistency with different footwork? No, none of that shit. So, um, Weird game, yeah. sloppy game. I'm happy with the defensive effort. Cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I, I think the major thing for me is I watched the Celtics quite a bit in preseason. Like they actually were really sharp, and I understand it's preseason, but um, that's why I was pretty worried about this coming into the game because our preseason was not good. We did mm-hmm. not ever have Same. one game. We didn't have one game with all nine guys playing. Um, certainly not all nine guys without like a minutes limitation or whatever it was. Um, so I was worried about that, and. Like, I, I would say my main takeaways were, well, one, to go back to the Julius thing, like, I was pleased with his defensive effort for the most part, but even within, like, and and the reason it stood out more is because he played, like, absolute, like, first of all, he played like a fucking asshole on offense, and second, he also just, like, and when I say an asshole, this was not one of those where you're, like, it was it was less stop shooting and more, like, stop shooting the shots you are shooting. Also, shoot open threes. Like, also do that. Stop pump faking. Um, so it was a more of a shot selection issue than the volume of shots he was taking. But because he had a bad offensive game, and I know I know there'll probably be people that are like, he had seven assists and no turnovers. I challenge you to go back and watch that game and actually tell me he played well on offense. Uh, you're lying. He did not play well on offense at all. And to me, the way, I, the way I looked at his offense was like, early on, he, he missed some gimmies, and it just kind of fucked him up. Yeah, I mean, I get that, but it's like, I was actually looking at this today because I saw some tweet that was like, it was some stupid play Cat made yesterday, and it was like, 10th year in the league, like, it was kind of like, what the fuck are you doing, you're 10-year vet. He's actually in his ninth year, which made me realize Julius Randle is in his 10th year, and watching some of the decisions he's making in this game, I'm like, I understand, it's the first game of the season, so I'm not really losing my mind over it, but I'm like, might just not be... It might not happen, buddy. The processing might just not be there. Anyway, um, forgetting the offense. It was just a bad offensive game for him, whatever the reasons may be. The defense was a lot better. And then even amidst that, there were these classic moments of just like stupid, lazy Julia stuff. And I clipped two of them. I could have clipped more. I didn't feel like it because I was like, it, it, it felt a little gratuitous. But like, there were more, especially down the stretch of the game. He just had some plays where you're like, dude, what? How are you not getting that rebound? He had one where it was like he literally was in front of Jalen Brown and then somehow he just like was not there anymore. And I was like, how did that happen? Um, but he just made these plays where you're like, dude, you're not trying. Like you're just not trying on this play because it's like, okay, we you have to okay, so Jalen Brown and Kristaps are running a pick and roll, right? So Hartenstein is supposed to show to to Jalen Brown to cut off the drive. 
and then he's supposed to cover back to Porzingis, right? Once he cuts the drive off, once basically like Randall has time to get back in front. Randall, on his part, has to make the pass to Porzingis hard. He has to like actually try to make it hard. And he didn't try. He just stood there. He literally just stood there without like extending his arms or anything. And it was a wide open three. And it's like, those are the plays to me that I'm like, I can't. In the first quarter, right? I know it was actually in the fourth, but there was a few in the first oh, too. Yeah, yeah. Like he, like the, the, we've, you know, we we talk about this is like a tangent, but it'll get its way back to Julius. Like Mitch has historically struggled with um, stretch fives, but today, uh, not today, yesterday, like I thought his coverage dealing with Kristaps was completely fine. Um, the issue was, you know, they would. Get, because the as big as a threat Kristaps was, Tatum's even bigger. So the you know it was like you said they got the ball out of Tatum's hands, and you need a third guy to come in and just stunt just enough to slow things down to let the second person trapping Tatum get back. And in the first quarter, I don't know if it was the first time this happened or another time, but like Julius, he was late, and you could see him like no, like oh fuck, like I. I'm late. And then he did the like tap his chest thing. Tibbs was mad. But it's one of those things where like, this isn't some like hard, you know, thinking two passes away. This is just as Clyde would say, see the ball, see your man. And then know that like you're the help on the very obvious Tatum, Chris Dabbs pick and pop, which is going to be their main play. Like, yeah, it, it, that's just. The stuff that at some point you just gotta accept, like the norm is Randall's gonna botch that stuff. You hope he can lock in more, but I mean, if it's if he's this is the thing. This is where it just boils. This is what it boils down to. If you're not gonna do that shit, then you've gotta you gotta have like your offense has to make up for it, and it didn't yesterday. It did not at all. Yeah, and so like I, I the way I look at that game yesterday is. We got nothing from our top two guys. Brunson was terrible yesterday. Like you, like Julius was bad. But if you, if we're just talking offense, I actually thought weirdly Brunson had a pretty good defensive game. Um, but if we're just talking offense, like Brunson was probably worse than Julius. And like he was forcing it. He he. It happened like I think three or four times last season where he would have games where like his shots that he's used to making that like the rest of the league does not get to make with regularity would go in and he instead of just becoming more pass first, he's like, I have to establish like it has to start with the shots. And he's so fucking good that like nine times out of ten that works because the shots will fall. But I think he started what, like one for nine or something like that? And I, I just lost count. It was not it wasn't even just like it's not even about missing shots to me. He did not let anybody get into a rhythm, and he—that's what I'm saying. He didn't pivot it. from that. He was just like, "No, I have to. We must start with going. my shots, right? Yeah. I have to get going." And it was, and it wasn't like if you want to hunt your own offense, okay. He wasn't even running plays. He was just like coming up and then just doing shit. And I'm like, like you could literally you go go back and watch the first quarter. Like you can watch sets where guys are just like, I guess I'll stand here and like space the floor. Like I, I guess I, I don't know. What's going on here? Um, and like Mitch had no idea what to do. He's like, "Do you want me to screen? Like, like what? What am I doing here?" Uh, and it was just, it was just a bad game from him. And like, you can say, and I, I've thought this forever. Like, Brunson's a 
amazing scorer, like, and a fantastic scorer, which is why, like, you know, look, he's had a bad last preseason game. He had a bad game yesterday. Really not that worried about it. Um, but as far as, like, running offense, like, actually running sets, getting everybody involved, like, so that there's a flow, Quickly is way better than him at that. And, like, that's not to say Quickly is, like, you know, fucking Chris Paul or something, but he's just better at him than that, at organizing and getting dudes touches. And, like, the the best example of this is Grimes. Like, Grimes will, if Quickly is starting a point guard, I promise you Grimes isn't going an entire first quarter stint without a single shot. He didn't get a shot up in that entire run. Like, not one. And and none of this was, this was not a case of, like, Grimes being passive. Like, this was not one of those. It was just, he every even when he did get the ball, the closeouts were right on him. So he didn't really have a chance. But Brunson didn't create for him, and he didn't find him. And, like, I'm going to be completely honest, this is going to be my thing this year. Because, like, Grimes is, as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, my my little uh, tag here is Pass to Grimes Propagandist. Grimes is fucking open a lot in that lineup. He's open a lot. Because these guys are great at getting into the paint. And once you get into the paint, teams have to collapse on you. And at a certain point, it's on you then to find the open shooter. And guess what? Grimes is often the open shooter because all these dudes will like end up in the paint. It was amazing yesterday because they decided that they should just go challenge Mount Kristaps constantly. Um, but like, I just thought I thought Grimes put an awful game. And then to go back to Julius, it was just like, hey, look, man, if you're not going to get it going on offense, you just can't have those. Like, I mean, he, I, I, the, the other one he had was in transition where like Hardenstein's busting his ass to get back. And he gets back and he just tells Julius, like, look, I like you have to go get Horford because if I go get Horford, he's going to be open anyway. So, like, just go over there. I cover Brown for now. And the key in transition is stop the ball, right? You, if the matchup is fucked up, that's fine. The key is stopping the ball. That's the first goal. And they had accomplished that. All Julius had to do was not be a lazy fucking asshole and just go over to Al Horford. Instead, what did he do? He just stood there. He literally just stood there. You, you watch the fucking replay. He just stands there. Jalen Brown makes the, the only good pass he probably made the entire game, passes a right to, to Horford, who's no joke, absolutely wide open for three. And in this entire, and by the way, he's wide open for three. Go watch who like at least attempts to go out there to him. Guess what? I'll tell you what. It ain't Randall. It's not Randall. No, it's Hartenstein who leaves Jalen Brown to go, to go try and contest Al Horford. I mean, he wasn't close. Al got a wide open three, but he's the guy that went up there. And after the play, you can just see Hartenstein kind of like throw his hands out like, what the fuck? Uh, that that's inexcusable. I'm sorry, you can't sit there the entire summer and talk about, oh, I'm gonna be more efficient. I fucking it's the first time I get to study film. I want to get better at stuff, accountability, blah blah blah. Okay, well then, like these are the play. Like, I'm sorry, you can't. You get judged on this shit. Like that. That's the price of being one of the best players on a team, and not just one of the best players on a team. One of the best players on a team that has actual expectations. Like this is not some fucking year where. Oh, well, if we could make a run of the seven seed, that'd be great. No, no. Like, this is not that year. This is a year where you have expectations. So these little margins, these little games, and especially these little margins against a team that's the benchmark. That should be a benchmark for you in the conference. This should be a game where you're like, every possession is, I'm not saying it's the playoffs, but like, possessions that where you're, like, do the basic stuff. Do the things that are logic. Like, this is not, this wasn't like, if he missed a rotation, but he was trying to do the right thing, I'd be like, okay, fair enough, right? You deal with that. Like, there was one somebody highlighted, I think it was a layup that, I forgot who it was, might have been Holiday or Tatum got it late in the fourth quarter, where it was like, it seemed like Randall, like, he thought he needed to rotate out to a three-point shooter, he probably should have just stayed where he is, instead of get an easy layup. 
Um, I didn't have a problem with that because I'm like, okay, I don't that that to me is not a lack of effort or just like not caring. That's just you fucked up. That happens, you know. Um, but those two plays really like really frustrated me, and, and there's stuff in the first quarter if you really want to go look at it where you're like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Um, was it better overall than what we've seen from him? Yeah, for sure. Like it was much. Like, if you get that on average compared to last season, that's a step up. But obviously, on nights where the offense isn't there for you, like that's not good enough. Um, and yeah, like. What I would say about this game is the three to nine guys, so everybody other than Brunson and Randall, they did like on you individually, you know, you want to say DiVincenzo wasn't that great. Okay, fine, whatever. But like co- the their collective contribution, those three to nine guys, you take that every night. If you do if you get that from them every single night as a collective group, right? RJ, quickly, Grimes, DiVincenzo, Hart, Hartenstein, um, Mitch, like you get that from them every single night. Not that all of them play great. But as a collective group, if you get that contribution from them every single night, you'll take that. And you'll win a lot of games. But that was unacceptable from both those guys. I mean, Brunson said as much. Randall did not uh, – by the way, he did the thing. You know, the, you know what he did? You know what he did after the game? Did he peace? No, no, no. He did the other thing. Where they asked him – What's the other thing? When he's like, oh, like, you know, you guys really struggled tonight. What do you think could have done better? And he's like, oh, yeah, we got to look at the, like, he's, we got to do this. He goes, like, oh, yeah, we got to do that, huh? We, motherfucker? How about you? How about I? A little I might be nice every now and then, Julius. Um, I'm not going to make a big deal about it. But, like, it was just, it was an annoying game to lose because your top two guys did nothing. And you, they out, we outplayed the Celtics. We outplayed them on a night that, like, our top two guys did jack shit. And their yeah, top two guys killed it. Yeah. Like, they, Kristaps and Tatum were fucking great last night. And our top two guys played like shit. And we'd probably still win that game if we just shoot okay from the free throw line. Which is another thing. I'm actually a little bit worried about this now with Julius. He did not shoot the free throw well in, in preseason. We know he's had random, like, stretches and years. Right I, where he I, really, I always expect him to be a bad free throw shooter in, like, crunch time close games. But the rest of the game, I'm usually not worried about. That was the weird part. It was bizarre, um, but I'm a little worried about this because he would he shot bad at the free throw line in preseason, if I remember correctly, and carried that into the first game. We know you remember his first year in New York, where like the first month of the season, the guy was like a 51 percent free throw shooter, or whatever, and you were like, mm. "What? Like, are you okay? Like, are you like we we good here?" Um, so maybe it's just a bad stretch he's having, but we need to get through that. Um, to on to some of the good things, I thought. I thought RJ, I, I mean, I think Jeff Jeff did a thread uh, for the Strickland today, and he highlighted quickly in RJ, who, quite frankly, were like, those two and Hartenstein were the only three guys you could say played well. I don't think Hart or DiVincenzo played poorly, but, like, those three actually played well. Um, and, like, he said that this was RJ's best defensive game as a Nick. I'm not sure if that's accurate, like, because I just, I'm not... Because I don't really like remember all of them, but it was definitely it was up certainly, there. It was up there. Like yeah, like I was going through just a lot of the possessions um, for a thread I also did, and he still has a slow reaction time sometimes. But like everything else was there. Like the tech, my my biggest things for him um, in terms of on ball and pick and roll defense was like. Just don't get hit by the screen and then be like, like Brunson hits Brunson's technique. This is so funny. Brunson's this is my just, favorite thing about him. Screen. 
no, separate from that, that is also hilarious. But like his strategy, his technique for going over stream is awful, but he's a tank and he's fast as shit. So like he'll just like take the hit and just like like Twitter bug around it and just like keep going after the hit and just sort of be in the play, even though he's short. But like everybody else has to use, you have to like get low, you have to like wrap your arm around the screener and push off of them. Like this is standard shit around the league. That last year, RJ was like, no, I will do no such thing. And that's not without even getting to like him being a little too heavy and all that. But today, he was, I mean, yesterday he was uh, not flying around, but he was like putting, he was, he was just solid. He was like using his physicality to get around screens. He was trying to be physical with Tatum, which, you know, again, I mentioned it before, but Tatum's strong as shit, stronger than RJ. So like, the fact that RJ could be physical back and at least like not let him get to his spots easily, not get crossed up easily, all that shit. That's pretty good. He has some good closeouts as well. He had some uh, deflections, if I'm not mistaken, um, especially early on. So, you know, it was a great start to him on that end. I do think like the matchup with the Celtics always seems to suit him for some reason. Like I think maybe because I mean him and Tatum, him and Tatum, uh, the fucking uh, workout buddies. Yeah, they're they're workout buddies, so it's it's personal. But it was also that, and like y- you could tell he was up for the big game. Like his hands were like high, like up high, like a motherfucker. It was very much like first game of the season vibes, and I don't even necessarily mean like. NBA. I mean, like anything, like first games of high school. Like you, you get hyped up for that shit, right? And it was in the garden, so like it was good. I I uh, I was really pleased with RJ's defense because again, like we're not gonna have games like that where Brunson and RJ, I mean Brunson and Randall missed that many bunnies, and we missed fucking twelve free throws. Like we're just not. Like I know people are worried, but like that's just rare. So. If we can have the defensive effort that we had yesterday, like this seems gonna be good, man. Um, yeah, I mean, like if he plays like that defensively every night, you'll take it. Offensively, I don't want to belabor the point, but like I did not love some of the shot selection, especially when he put the ball on the deck. Um, I, I feel like it. he was trying to. Upon partial rewatch, I felt like I mean he always makes kind of bad decisions, as we know, but like. There was definitely he. I, sometimes I was like, "Is is he trying to like show Kristaps up here on switches and shit like that?" I think he might have had that in his head. Like it, it. I'm not. I, it could definitely have played a mind. I, I don't know what it was, but him and Julius kept trying to test him. And the thing is, if you're gonna go at Kristaps, like one, I think that's not the optimal choice. But if you're gonna do it, if you're gonna do it, don't pussyfoot around it. Don't. Try to don't try to be cute. Don't try to finesse your way. No, go through him. Because as strong, I know that Kristaps has gotten stronger. Guess what? He's still seven three, and you're still fucking six six. Built like a brick shit house. You go into his chest. You don't try and uh, let me finesse this up high off the glass. Let me scoop layup. He tried a floater from a standstill, which I still can't believe. I'm like, you literally took a floater, a foot separated from Kristaps from a standstill. What did you think was going to happen, dude? He tried to dunk <laughs> on him in transition, which was ridiculous. Uh, and then no, the, fu- the funny, the funny thing, the, the transition thing that was funny was like it. I 
Because at first I was like, oh, shit, they, this motherfucker just tried to dunk on Kristaps. He, he ain't got it like that, even if he's in better shape. But then I was looking at the replay, and um, what he, he tried, tried to, to do... What he tried to do was he tried to fool Kristaps into making Kristaps think he was going to go for a dunk and then switch to a scoop. But Kristaps, like... He's too big Dev, He's too big. He could cover for both those things very yeah. easily unless you go into him. So Kristaps was like, all right, bro. And just like... Yeah, that's the that problem. <laughs> he, if, he, if, if you're going to do that, like, again, he, you had, he especially because he had a full head of steam, right? If you're going to mm-hmm. do that, you go straight into him. He tried to, like, get the corner on him, basically. And he just did not have a chance. As soon as he went up with it, I was like, oh, man, this is not going to end well. Um, <laughs> but, but like, I thought some of his takes were really good. And I thought some of his decision-making in the second half, I thought his second-half decision-making was a lot better off the drive. Uh, he had a one really nice kick to Brunson in the corner. For like It was like a wide-open three. I mean, it was a beautiful feed. Um, he, he made some good plays, but it's just like, again, it's those three or four stupid shots he takes that takes an eight of 16, eight of 17 for 24 night for 24 points night and turns it into eight of 20. And like in a one-off game, maybe that doesn't matter that much, but over the course of a season, it does, especially in his, in terms of his individual efficiency, which has been his biggest bugaboo for his entire career. And a lot of that is self-inflicted, just bad shot selection. Um, like there are times where it's like, Hey man, you're allowed to drive and then nothing is there. Just pull it, pull it back out. Nobody's going to be upset. I'll be fine. Like it, those are the plays that he's just, he's got to get that out of his, his diet because it's, it's what kills him. It's what kills his efficiency. Like this is a night where you take away those four. Look, just say like, literally I can count them on my hand. Stupid fade away on Kristaps that gets blocked. Stupid off the dribble three takes early in the clock against Horford. Stupid standstill floater thing he does over Kristaps, block. Stupid dunk he tries on Kristaps where he has no angle, block. That's four shots right there that easily you can take those out. Like, there's no, they were not forced. There was no time issue. How many this shots was, did he end up taking total? 20. So you're talking 20. About, like, that's 20% of his shots. That you're that's just what like, I'm saying. So, so if he's eight for 20, you take three or four of those out. And then he had two grenade three pointers that were just like, nobody was making those. Right. That you take two more. I don't know. Now you're talking like eight of fifteen, eight of fourteen, right? You're talking but, but, fucking but even, efficient. Yeah, and even anecdotally, like the grenade threes, nobody's blaming him for those. You know what I mean? Like even if we at the end of the game, if we saw his line in in the eight of twenty, when you're thinking about it, you're not like those aren't the shots you're thinking of. Like right, right, shot. right, right, right. Those right. are just like you're thinking, oh, okay. you're thinking about the the garbage shots or whatever yeah. in the paint and, and all that and, shit. And those are the ones that you. That you can get rid of. You can't get rid of the grenades because unfortunately you just gotta get the shot up. The but funny like, part is the funny part is like just talking to people in the Discord and on Twitter after the game. Um you just if you just go back and look at all the RJ shots, like there were shots he took that were new for him and nobody really had issue with those. Like like two or three middies that were like he made two of them and uh missed two of them. Well, the, I and think all of those were ones. So the one was off a of baseline. It was like a sideline out of bounds. There was only he, one that I was like, eh, and that's the one we talked about where it was like yeah. the fadeaway on Chris Depps, which yeah. is like, no. that's not the easiest fadeaway because yeah. this motherfucker's and, big. <laughs> and he, and you're not, you're not explosive enough to get the separation you need on that shot. Right, 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 right. So the, but the other ones are like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if you would have told me like RJ 
was taking mid-range shots and that wasn't the issue he had with his shot selection, I'd be like, this is a weird timeline, right? Like, so. Yeah. I mean, I I had no problem with those shots. It's just, just the ones where it's like, these are like no hope shots, right? These are, these are no hope shots. Like, and, and the Horford one, it was like, look, if you want to take or that. You have, or, or they have really bad um, missed reads right before it. Like, uh, that was what happened with um with one of the shots on Chris Stapps. And um, Grimes was cutting wide open. Yeah, yeah. Wide open. I mean, that's not, you know, you mentioned it before, but, like, the entire starting lineup always, not always, but they often miss Grimes. Um, not just standstill, but also cutting. Yeah, and, and to be fair to RJ, I do think some of the stuff that we saw from, honestly, from randall too i think some of that is because of how brunson started the game where it was like he was not let he he just didn't get anybody involved so when those guys got the opportunities it was like all right i'm getting my shot up right now right like i'm getting this fucking i, I got the ball finally i'm getting my shot up and you know that's that happens sometimes but like i think i think rj played a pretty solid game and again like even with the bad shot shot selection. I still think he had a good game. He was the next second best player as far as I was concerned. Um, but like that's what stops you from making the the kind of like next the jump, yeah, the leap, the jump. yeah. So so it's <clears throat> look, it's it's the first game of the season. Hopefully, year five for him, it's all clicks. But yeah, I mean, look, and I'll was, and I'll say was, like on top of that, like you hope that clicks. But like I tried to tell some people this yesterday after the game, but that was perhaps not speaking to my colleagues when they were in the most receiving of moods. But like, like, yes, you can, you, it's totally valid to be like, oh, why doesn't, why hasn't he improved his reads in certain respects and blah, blah, blah. But like, I, to me, like, yeah, that's a big takeaway. It's also a big takeaway to me that like his defense has looked better than it has in a long time. And his shooting, his jump shooting has looked better than it has in a long time, right? Like, non-grenade threes, he made two of three. Three throws, he made almost all of, what do you go, six for seven, I think? Yeah, six for seven. Uh, yeah, so six for seven. He's been really good, even in the preseason. Yeah, I, I don't know how to do this stat pull, so listeners, if you know, please tell me and I will give you a shout out. But, like, I was wondering if, I don't know, I'm, I thought about this in the preseason first, but, like, has he had a stretch shooting free throws as well as he did in the preseason at any point in his career, like any 40 free throw stretch or whatever like that. But it, it feels like this is up there as far as his comfort shooting free throws. So like he, in this game, he, he hit two off the dribble mid range shots. A third was in and out and a fourth was a dumbass shot. That was an air ball. And then he hit two of three, Three pointers. The one he missed was the pull up three, which was like a little too much dip in his chip. And then he hit a bunch of free throws. So like, like if you just take a step back, like yeah, there was ways he could get better, but like he had a pretty fucking good jump shooting night, which is important versus a defense like the Celtics that forces you to take hard shots and to make jump shots. Right, like they're gonna pack the paint against the Knicks, right? More teams are going to do that this year than they did last year, not just because of Mitch, but because they're going to dare the Knicks to pass. They're going to dare Jalen Brunson to pass. They're going to dare Drew. They're going to dare these guys to make the right read. So, like, we have to be a better jump shooting team. We have to be a better decision-making team, but we also got to be a better jump shooting team. And if you tell me RJ's going to be, like, not awful at shooting jump shots, like, oh, that's 
I mean, it's only one game. So, you know, I could shoot fucking well for one game. Doesn't mean I'm a good shooter, but like, I'll, I'll take that as far as optimism goes from one game, man. Like, it yeah. it looked comfortable. It was similar to what we saw in FIBA, and uh, between that and the defense, I'm like, yo, what, what? Like, if you ask me, like, gun to my head, would I sign up for a season of like RJ still, like, up and down efficiency? But his defensive effort is there, and he's not just a shit show from jump shooting, and he can hit free throws. Yes, yes. Where do I sign? Where do I sign? I will sign right now. Yeah, no. I mean, I think that is definitely true. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like last year he was fifty three true shooting. His second year in the league, when he shot forty percent from three, he was fifty three and a half true shooting. So not. A significant difference, but I promise right. you, it felt much different. And they got here, he, and he was defended very differently, um, which matters. So yeah, even with yeah. his bad decisions, like if he takes those bad decisions versus centers who are not Kristaps, like he can probably get away with it a little. That's not to justify it, but like that's just kind of how things are. Like I know. Like, he's really, I'm t- I told y'all on the last pod I was on, like, this motherfucker is going to be in the conversation for defensive player of the year because he's going to get blocked as long as he plays, what, what is it, 65 games? Is that the requirement now? Yes. Yeah, so if he plays 65 games, big if, like he did last year, he will be in the mix because um, the Boston media mafia is going to overhype this big breadstick-ass motherfucker. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I thought RJ played really well. And I don't, I mean, there's really not much to say about him because I don't really want to talk about him right now. But I thought Hardenstein was awesome last night. His hustle was crazy. And on a night where Mitch really had, just couldn't get anything going, really. Um, thought they were, Mitch got in foul of trouble and they were really like, I, we've talked about this, but like, the, the Knicks grifter ball is not a surprise anymore. So teams are going to, they're going to push him to the limit. They're going to push the rest to the limit and they're just going to fucking send three guys at him all the fucking time. And it's going to be like, that's going to be, there's going to be games like that where like he either fouls, he draws fouls because he's more tired because of that. Or he just, you know, it's just weird. So like Hartenstein's role this year is even bigger than last year, and it's a long. It was a long time ago, but like Hartenstein didn't start the year well last year. He was injured, and we didn't even really know it. And remember, we were like, "Why can't this fucking guy grab a rebound?" For and this was for like yeah. months on end. It was so weird, but yeah. he came in uh, ready to roll. He looks like he's in great shape. He didn't play for Germany. He said, "Fuck that! I need to be ready for the Garden." Plus, Germany don't need me. They got FIBA Schroeder and FIBA Franz. So, uh, yeah, he was, he was great. Um, I particular, the best play of the game was, uh, where Brun- I think Brunson hit him when Brunson got chapped and then he did a really athletic drive and then he did the wraparound past the Grimes yep. who yep. hit the three who got fouled. Um, that drive from Hardenstein was something else. Um, if, if anything, it just showed that he's like, feeling very mobile right now. So it's it's good, man. I'm ready for a year or two of the uh, 48 minutes of capable centers. 
Yeah, it was also really cool that he passed the drives in the corner. Um, yeah, what a crazy idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, uh, obviously, uh, the next part of the game was Emmanuel quickly last night. He had 24 points and 11 shots. He had, what, five rebounds, four assists. Maybe had the numbers reversed. He had a steal. Um, he had a really nice game. He hit shots when the Knicks really needed them. I thought that bench unit, like even though DiVincenzo didn't, he didn't make a shot, even though Hart didn't play that well. Um, I just thought they like actually ran offense. They actually ran sets. I think they helped turn the tide of the game in the beginning, end of the first, uh, early second quarter. I got the Knicks back into it and, um, yeah, I just thought I just thought he played he led that group and he led them in a way that was like it felt very much like no no like I am the point guard of this team at this point. I got so yeah, I got like, so. give me the ball and I will mm-hmm. and he was calling plays out, he was directing traffic. It was actually pretty funny to watch DiVincenzo have no idea where he was supposed to be on a few plays. And, there was definitely a couple, especially early on, where he was just like, What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and Josh Hart was like, What the fuck is going on? And and then finally, quickly was like, "All right, just come set me a screen. Like, just come do that." And we'll Dante was probably like, "What? I don't have to like curl around seventeen screens and yeah. what do you mean? create I don't a have symphony of motion? Yeah, Go to the corner. Think... What the fuck is that about?" Like, yeah. uh, but he played really well. I thought he took care of the ball decently. His 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 start to the second half when he got back in the game was not clean. I thought he was over penetrating a little bit, but he got his shit together again. Um, he did what you have been begging him to do, which is, hey, when guys go under, make them pay. He made them pay. He did not hesitate. Oh, my God. The entire night. It was crazy, bro. Like, two of the three times he went under and he shot it, they went, like, way the f- And part of that was because it's, like, it's guards getting screened by Mitch, like, 30 feet away. So, like, it takes a lot to get around that screen. Yeah, Mitch's screening, by the way, for, for as poor as it was, that was probably one of his better screening games I've ever seen. He was cleaning fucking little dudes like Peyton Pritchard out like flies, bro. And and quickly, like, it gave quickly even more time to, like, take a dribble and, like, angle. But there was one of them where... uh, It's Tatum. Where he just pulled that shit, like, not even on balance. And I was like, God damn, bro. Like, that's when I knew he was feeling it. Um, So I fully expect uh, if that keeps up, they will go over and then... Uh, that's when you get to the fun stuff, right? When, when he has uh, defenders on his hip and well, pass out, like and... five on four. Exactly, exactly. But if they don't, then fuck it. Because like the other, like, we, it's funny. Like that was half of it, but the so like I, I felt like yesterday was almost like a combination of last year quickly and like rookie quickly when he was just like, all I know how to do is bomb threes and fucking grift fouls on, on yeah. floaters and shit like that and uh but he was doing it so obviously he's more of a vet now and he was so controlled not just with the threes but um he was like getting a lot of those foul calls like at will it was one play it bit him in the ass and it didn't work but like i think literally the other three times it worked and he was able to just bait guys into fouling him and um that stuff is not just good for efficiency because it's free throws right but it's also like the kind of plays where you can like give your team a break almost like they can just kind of not watch, but like they get to catch their breath a little bit and then they get free throws. So like it does help a little bit and nobody else on our team is grifty. Like Brunson and Randall kind of grift fouls, but it's in a, 
it's like with kinetic energy, like going downhill very fast and to just give defenders an impossible choice. Quickly is like, Yo, you might got me. You might got me. You might got me. Nah, you don't got me. And then you're just at the free throw line. So um, it was, you know, th- we've talked about it. Like the, the next step for quickly is he has all these skills and he's already fucking great, but it's just playing the right keys at the right time. Basically, like he can play all the things now. It's just picking and choosing which when to use each of his superpowers. And yesterday he played them keys pretty well, man. Like he was doing the damn thing and, um, Tibbs closed with him like he did a lot last season. I know there was a subset of Knicks fans who were like, oh, what if because he didn't close with quickly in the Miami Heat series, he's never going to close with quickly again. And, uh, you know, you don't you don't convince Tibbs to close with you like 30 times. And then that shit just doesn't disappear. Like, I don't care what happened in the playoffs. Like. We saw it in, you know, like. When he was talking about the extension, like Tibbs loves quickly now, man. Like he's he's not starting him or anything, but like he fucks so quickly. Yeah, I mean, uh, just to go back to it, I thought quickly uh, the fourth quarter, like he was cooking, <clears throat> and then Brunson and Randall came in, and for some reason, and even when they first came in, they were letting quickly cook. He hit that step back on right in Derek White's face, which was fucking nasty. Like, that was like that, that was, was like, the heat check of all heat checks. That was probably one of the best shots of his career. Um, and then, that's one of his go-to moves. Like he didn't really do that a lot last year because he didn't um, he didn't isolate quite as much. But like the year before that, that's that crossover move, and then he just steps left and just flings that shit. Like, and he practices that shit on Instagram. You can see it. Like, yeah, yeah, that, that was is a, a fucking disrespectful shot, bro. Yeah, that was a really nice shot. And then uh, I don't know why they completely the last four and a half, five minutes of the game, it just basically turned into like the Brunson show, uh, the Brunson and Randall show, and that was not great. Um, obviously, it didn't end well. The Knicks offense completely petered out. I, I just thought that was a big mistake, but um, hopefully you live and you learn. Uh, the The last thing I want to say about this game is I actually think Tim's coached a really good game. Um, I think so, too. They adjusted to the Celtics. He even offense. challenged calls. Yeah, well, he, 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 the, the call, that, that call was ridiculous that he didn't get overturned. Doris can go. I know. It was the correct challenge. I was telling my Celtics fans friends at the bar, I was like, oh my God, he challenged the call that he can actually win. He didn't just move yeah. on with the game. We're yeah, going to get it. Was, and then he didn't ridiculous. get it. Doris Burke is a complete joke for everything she was doing last night. But that, in that play in particular, her, like, oh, I did, obviously a foul. You're a fucking moron. Shut up. Um, the fact that she has a job commenting on games is an embarrassment. Um, anyway, it's just I just have I just hate ref pandering. Like it's I, not I just pandering. I can't... she was just she was just on the fucking Celtics nuts the entire game. It was ridiculous. She's like, oh my god, when when Kristaps committed that, like he elbowed Harnstein in the face. First of all, she was literally like, what is he supposed to do? What is he supposed to do? Not like, elbow people in the face, oh, dude. And, like, and that's just that she was like, they showed the replay. And she's like, I don't see the contact. I was like. What are you fucking blind? Like, what are you watching here? It was a joke. She was embarrassing. I she claims to be a Knicks fan, so maybe she's like overcompensating on national television, so nobody accuses her of bias. Uh, but guess what? The only bias I think she has is that she's fucking like crazy anytime the Knicks are on. All she wants to talk about is the other team. The only thing she wanted to talk about the Knicks, and she brought this up in the last ten seconds of the game, was about she was all of a sudden out of nowhere. The game's at like, oh, the game's over. Basically, she's like, oh, 
So, what is this? What is the playoff ceiling of this team, though? Why are we talking about that in the season opener? Is that really the, like that's really the conversation we're having? Anyway, I don't want to talk about her anymore. Um, I thought Tip coached a really good good game after the first quarter. They held the Celtics to seventy eight points, and I mean, you can probably count six or seven or eight of those are just like the intentional foul game towards the end of the game. Um, and I just thought they they shut down. I think Kristaps. I know he had he had a big fourth quarter, but he didn't do anything in the, in the second and third quarters, and um, like aside from Tatum and and Kristaps, like really nobody else went off. That they, they actually held the Celtics to only 30, 39 three point attempts, and I know that was like slightly over fifty percent of their total seventy seven shots, but like it didn't feel like a barrage, you know. Like when we played, the, I remember we played them the first game last year in the Garden, and that felt like a barrage. They put up one thirty three, and we just had no hope. It felt like a bar- it felt like we dodged the barrage in the first half to me because some of their role players, specifically Hauser, got a lot of shots that. I thought like we were lucky we didn't go in, but in the second half, it those kind of went away. Like most of the shots were really well defended, whether it was Tatum or Brown or role players or whatever. And even even a couple of the the, the Kristaps made Horford hit two that were like well defended. Like no 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 no, no. the first one was not well defended. That was the Julius one. That was not well defended because Julius decided to be a fat loser. Uh, but yes, the other one was well defended. Uh, but even like like I think Kristaps made was one on one one on one. Kristaps made a crazy deep three. That was actually well defended. The bank like, three. No, no, that wasn't the bank three. That was in the first half. But like it was. Oh, it was oh the other one. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was it was really well defended. Like RJ did a good job of putting pressure on Brown that he couldn't make the pass instantly. Hartenstein got out there. Actually, he got a good challenge in that time. And that was just a crazy shot. You got to tip your hat and move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I thought the defense was good. I liked the rotations. Like I, I forgetting. I know everybody lost their mind in the fourth quarter because it was like, oh my god, why did he pull RJ with like. I think he pulled RJ with seven thirty left, and he put him back in with like two. And I was like, "Look, that was that was not great." But here is what I would say: It was the first game that we had all nine guys. This is his first chance in any game setting, preseason, regular season, whatever setting, uh, to run that rotation. He probably went in with a pre like, "Okay, this is what ideally I want my rotation to be." And if our biggest gripe, if the biggest gripe is that. RJ didn't get back in until too late in the fourth quarter, then I think you would say he probably did a decent job, all things considered. Now, if you want to judge him on like, well, you should have realized what was happening in this game and maybe Randall shouldn't have closed and blah, blah, blah. I think that's fair, but I'm not going to kill him for that because I think it's okay the first time you have, literally, I'm not like, I can't exaggerate. This is literally the first time he has these nine guys. I know though people will be like, well, last year he did this with that nine-man rotation. Okay, but like, this the the composition is different now, and what I really liked about what he did is in the first half and the second half is he took RJ out pretty early in both halves. I think he took RJ out with six minutes left in both or six minutes left in the first and third quarters, and they put him back in before the end of the third quarter when Randall and Brunson sat. So at every point in time, the Knicks had at least two shot creators on the floor. This is stuff that he did not do last year. We killed him for this stuff. Like this is stuff that we've killed him for consistently, right? He avoided that yesterday he did a good job avoiding that yesterday i think he deserves credit for that um and i like that like you know we had all the you know oh what if he plays sims at the four what do we play sims at the four guess what he didn't play sims at the four um i, I thought he coached a pretty solid game i like the in-game adjustments the offense is always going to be clunky because fundamentally we know what tibbs's offenses are are they efficient can they be efficient absolutely but they're never going to be beautiful flowing basketball i'm okay with that um i, I thought he coached a good game I'm if and if the bigger takeaway for me is if this is the rotation, if this is how he's managing it, 
moving forward, I think really the main adjustment we would need to make is be a little bit quicker on the trigger with like, if he wants RJ in a game, I don't think it's fair to him to be like, oh, there's two minutes left, get back in there. You know what I mean? Like, I hate when coaches do that, not just Tim's thing, but anybody does that. Cause it's just like, okay, now you're throwing him into the fucking fire here. Like, it's kind of, it's kind of rough to expect a guy to just come in and like deliver for you. But aside from that one thing, I was, I was happy with what I saw. I thought he did a good job. And I really liked, um, we we talked about this over the summer where I was like, look, he, he's never, since Josh Hart has been there, Josh Hart had closed every single fucking game. Literally every single one. And he did it last night. And, like, that is huge, I think, for us as fans to see. But in general, like, if you were worried, like, well, I mean, a lot of people were worried, right? Like, well, if Hart's going to close every game, what does that mean for RJ? What does that mean for Quickly? What does that, like, and lo and behold, like, he didn't close last night. Why? Because he wasn't playing well. And he had other guys that were playing well. And if that's how he manage it, that's fine. I would encourage him to apply the same logic to Brunson and Randall, perhaps, uh, at times, if necessary. But, you know, aside from that, like, I, I think Coach a pretty solid game. I think there were signs to be encouraged by in terms of, like, the heart, you know, quickly, RJ stuff. Um, and I will say the last thing, I, uh, before we, like, move on to broader subjects, uh, We've talked about this over the summer. I felt this very strongly over summer. It was like, oh, well, DiVincenzo's here. It's going to really cut into Quickly's minutes. What is Quickly? Like, how many minutes is he going to get? I've never thought it was going to cut into Quickly's minutes. I've consistently thought it's going to cut into Grimes' minutes. And DiVincenzo didn't even play that well yesterday, and Grimes only got 23 minutes last night. I think that is something to keep an eye on because whatever you want to say about how Tibbs has managed Quickly's minutes and whatever, like, you can't actually argue that he hasn't played him a shit ton of minutes. He has. Maybe it's not the minutes you want him to play him. Maybe it's not the the exact rotations, the role, whatever. He's played him a lot of minutes. If Grimes sees his minutes get cut this season, and I'm not trying to do monger here. Maybe it was just a one-off game, you know, like we've said for a lot of these things. Just a one-off game. But that is something to keep an eye on. I am very curious about that. I think he values quickly more than Grimes. I think quickly is like yes, of course. Yeah. Like that's what people yeah. people like were worried about quickly's minutes getting cut. But like again, this dude closed like twenty five, thirty games late in the season. He Grimes. If you look at the Grimes was season, the odd man out. Yeah, Grimes was the one that like almost never closed. RJ would close. Hart would RJ close, would close sometimes. Hart would close sometimes, and it was always Brunson and quickly like. Tibbs, like, he might be a stuffy boomer, but, like, well, he was you a know, scoring he, guard in college. He's a scoring guard, and he knows he knows the net. Net rating is his fucking middle name now, apparently. Like, this motherfucker loves net rating, bro. Get well, you someone called, who they, loves they you. <laughs> they were literally like, they were like, listen, if anybody asks you about Evan Fournier, here's what you say. <laughs> no, Tibbs probably, uh, Tim probably had that shit on deck, man. They didn't even need to feed him that. He was like, I'm never y'all y'all see this shit y'all see this net rating bro like this he I know he might not know no other advanced stats but he knows net rating so like quickly is obviously like god level in that respect and you know as far as shooting guards go like he knows quickly is better than Grimes like this isn't any slight on Grimes like he let he literally lets quickly like take ISO step back threes on all NBA defenders. Like there was a, there was a like we're not we I need I need people to like pause and think about that like Emmanuel quickly was isolating versus Derek White and in, and Tatum in and big Drew. Mo- 
Yeah, Andrew, all these motherfuckers. And he's like, before it used to be like, okay, Quick is allowed to isolate versus Biggs. But now, Quick is allowed to do whatever the fuck he is. And then you notice when he plays with Brunson now, it's, it's not just, um, they're, they're getting closer to, uh, the ideal balance, right? We've talked in the past about how, like, it would do Brunson help anyone and everybody else help if he gets a little more off ball reps because he's a great off ball shooter. But, like, they're not quite there yet, but, it was a better balance yesterday than uh, than in last. There were times last season where quickly, like he would be closing, but he would just be like relegated to Grimes land in terms of his role. So um, over the course of the season, you saw that change, and you saw that continue yesterday. And like, there is a very large gap to me between quickly and the other guards as far as like trust and Tibbs. So like Grimes, Grimes has trust in the sense that. He's a better starting option than Evan Fournier, which is a low bar. But, like, in the beginning of the season especially, like, you're right. Like, it's something to watch because guess what? He's going to give Dante a look. He's going to. He should, right? Dante's a hell of a fucking shooter. He might be a better shooter than Grimes. Like, it's just, it is what it is. Like, is Dante going to surpass Grimes on the the totem pole? I wouldn't bet against it. But, like, the point is, He's going to look, and Tibbs is not the biggest experimenter tweaker in the world as far as play styles or rosters, but like to your point, this is his nine-man rotation, and he hasn't had this rotation before. He hasn't. So, of course, he's going to fucking check it out, and yeah, someone's minutes are going to get cut, and yeah. It's gonna be Grimes. It's not and, gonna be quickly. Like, <laughs> and it might it might fluctuate. Like, there might be nights where Grimes plays thirty five minutes and quickly plays twenty. Like, it just it's gonna be what it is. Like, I, I don't. I think people have to be okay with that. Um, I, I you can't I you the, can't the want one... Tibbs to like not experiment, and then he's experimenting, and you're like, no, not like that. <laughs> well, the only thing I will say is there there do there does need to be nights though where like, okay, Julius, you're playing like shit. You don't need to close the game. Brunson, you're playing like a jackass. You don't need to close the game. I'm not saying that yesterday needed to be that game, by the way. I'm just saying, in general, over the course of the season, if there are nights where those guys don't have it, and other groups do, it's okay to close without those guys. They're big boys. They can handle it. It'll be fine. Um, I'll say this, though. I'll say this, though. Like, And this is particularly for Brunson, but a little bit for Randall, too. This is more just like my personal attitude on like basketball, but like to me, yesterday, those guys... Throughout the whole game, including the fourth and the first, had it just nothing. An insane, just an insane amount of like, how the fuck did that not go in? Like, well, like not shots Julius. Uh, I don't know. Julius was to me was just taking shots where you're like, I know some of the, I know what you're talking about like the shots inside where you're like, of course Julius will make that eventually. But I just thought there were so many of his where I'm like, dude, please just kick it out to the three wide open shooters in front of your fucking face. Like, oh my god. But yes, Brunson no, no, did I, the shots that were like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, and Brunson had more of them than Randall. But yeah. like, even Randall, just a lot of his shots like in the paint, like, yeah, you could totally pass it out. But like a lot of the times I'm just like, yo, that's like, how did that one also? Like we've all, it's, y'all, it's everybody also, fucking plays pickup basketball. You've had days where it's just like, yo, I can't fucking buy a shot. Like that's real. And and also like, it's the first game of the season. It's probably not the best right. time to just be like, Oh, like I don't. You're not playing well tonight. I'm not, like that. That's that's how you get those guys to be like, "Fuck this guy, yo, I'm out of here." Like, like that's you can't do that the first game of the season. So I don't think that would have been realistic, and I, I don't blame them for it. So 
Uh, I'm more talking about like broader picture stuff, like down the road in a month or whatever, where it's like, okay, look, I think at this point, if they've closed every game, you're allowed to be like, listen, buddy, you don't got it today. Um, all right. Let's move on from this game and enough praise of Tom Thibodeau, my mortal enemy. Uh, I'm just kidding. He's not a mortal enemy. Boston Celtics. Tom Thibodeau, best friend arc this season on Pod Strickland <laughs> coming yeah. soon. This is, this is actually, uh, we're going to start calling it the coach's corner. This is when, like, this is like in Thrones when Jamie Lannister was like just like fucking going on side quests with the good guys in like the later seasons. Like good guys, do you just mean Brienne? Yeah, Brienne <laughs> and uh, what's the what's the mercenary guy? Uh, uh, Bron, 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 yeah, yeah, Bron, yeah, yeah Bron too. Ooh. They had a nice buddy comedy arc. Yeah, yeah. we got the fucking. Game of Thrones elitist snob over here, Jesus <laughs> Christ. It's a mediocre uh, story arc, actually, as far as I'm concerned. All right. Uh, so, uh, obviously, the other big, the only other big piece of news, really, this week for the Knicks uh, is that Mayo quickly was not extended, um, which we know about. Also, that was good to see how he reacted yesterday because of that. Uh, I've expressed some thoughts on this already. Actually, the whole solo. Or not solo punch again, solo strict role on this. Uh, By the time this podcast is out, uh, readers can, uh, instead of hearing our annoying voices, read our annoying voices in a column that we have coming out. That's right. I called it a column. It's professional like that. So check that out sometime tomorrow. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think we kind of touched on this in a DM, but, like, maybe it's because I like baseball a lot, but even though extensions very much are the norm for good players in the NBA, I kind of... I I don't associate the RFA treatment with, uh, with, like, a bad sign, personally. In baseball, that sort of stuff is pretty common. In baseball, it's different, of course, also because you have, like, wilder injury risks and more year-to-year variation, but, like, Oh, so you can get, like, 17-year deals, which is nice. Yeah, and that's why you had to really show the the, the teams in baseball because you could just be like, oh, I just signed a 17-year deal, and now I suck like Giancarlo Stanton or half the other motherfuckers on the Yankees. And now I'm mad again. Great. Anyway, um, no, so, like, I it, – it, to me, like, yes, is it a sign that the Knicks, quote-unquote, like, didn't believe in quickly? No, I don't – I don't – I truly never thought that, like, it, what it means is they have different perspectives on what they think the other should get or what they think quickly should get, which is based not even at all on uh, completely on quickly's play. That's based on a lot of factors, quickly's play, what they think the restricted free agent market next season is going to look like, what they looked at this year's, uh, how they looked at, how they viewed this year's extensions things like that. And if you look at this year's extensions, there's pretty much two groups of it. There's big money where you're talking guys who got five-year extensions um, ranging from Vassal and McDaniels up toward all the max guys like Bain, Halley, and all those dudes. And then you have a bunch of chump change contract extensions like Okongu and Cole Anthony where you're talking like three years, four years, 30 million, 40 million, 45 million, 50 million. And there's nothing in the middle. Nobody got four years hundred million. Nobody got RJ Barrett money for the most part. So like 
it shouldn't it it didn't that wasn't even really surprising to me either because the way the new CBA sets things up, like you're either a blue chip young guy like Vassell, who for all his flaws has crossed this nebulous threshold into blue chipness. And then you can have guys like Okongu and Cole Anthony, where it's like, okay, they're bench players and Okongu. We, uh, he's about to become Bam. Oh yeah, yeah. Just, uh, just you guys wait. Just you guys wait. Capella's like Al Horford. That motherfucker's gonna be reliable till he's like eighty years old. Like Okongu just needs to get out of there. Um, but yeah, like quickly is unique. We've spent countless hours talking about how yes, he comes off the bench, but he's one of the five best players on the Knicks. And he's one of the better players in the NBA period. So, like, how does he fit into that paradigm of, like, quote-unquote blue-chip guys, most of whom are high draft picks, by the way, or guys who you're like, I know a bench player when I see one, right? He doesn't. That's why there was a disconnect. The Knicks were like, hey, we're going to try to use this paradigm, this market, to get a cheap deal. Don't be surprised that that, Knicks fans. Leon Rose has negotiated great deals for all these motherfuckers. Like, nobody's complaining, like, oh, Mitch is so underpaid now, even though he fucking dominated an all-star front court last season in the playoffs. Like, this is how the Knicks roll. Like, if you're surprised that the Knicks are trying to get as great a deal as possible, then let me tell you, man, this ain't no old Knicks. This is Leon Rose Knicks. I'm not going to say they're cheap, but they're just extremely calculating when it comes to how they negotiate contracts and again that's not a reflection of quickly's ability or their evaluation of it it's a reflection of what they thought they could get emmanuel quickly signed to that's an entirely different thing and like like we saw it with deandre ayton like if there's a player who a team values even if it's an awkward situation they'll fucking keep him and then trade him later if if they really have to so like to me, that was always the worst case scenario was like they go into restricted free agency and either quickly has an incredible season and gets gets that blue chip money. And then, oh, no, the Knicks have to pay him for being really fucking good. Like, woe is me. Right. Or he has a season more like last season where it's good, very good. But a lot of it is like impact metrics and da da da, not raw counting stats and not as many explosions of like 30 points. and. Then they do what they did with Mitch, and they sign him to a fucking great contract that's a steal. So, like, I don't know, man. It it was always kind of overblown, and I think a lot of this stems, and I wrote about this in the piece that'll come out, but, like, I think a lot of this stems from Knicks fans just getting a little panicky and just being, like, player who I love, who has overcome a lot of shit, who I'm rooting for. Like, I want the security of knowing that, he is valued right now how I value him as a fan. And I just think that's the way a lot of Knicks fans think. Um, I come at this a little bit differently. I I think the Vassell contract sucks. I don't really care. Like, I don't think that's a good contract. I don't think he's good. I don't know why he got paid that contract. I think if any other team gave it to him, we'd be talking about him a lot differently. Maybe he ends up being good. Maybe he's going to deliver on all this fucking promise that apparently... I didn't mean yeah, I didn't press uh Yeah, no, I mean I never knew that so many people were crunching Spurs tape last year until he signed the extension because apparently uh he is he actually had a really good defensive year if you watched the film or whatever the fuck. 
uh, people were talking about. But no, I'm <laughs> sorry. Like I, I don't think he had a good defensive year. And actually, funny enough, I can I can report this. I watched the game last night, Spurs Dallas game, and funny enough, they had an anecdote on this on this broadcast. And this anecdote is that they sat down with Greg Popovich, who apparently sat down with both Keldon Johnson and Evan Vassell after last season and before this season, and told them those two were, guess what? Wait for it. Wait for it. They were the team's two worst defenders last season. This is what Greg Popovich told them. So I challenge anybody to who claimed that actually Devin Vassell was good on defense last year your word against the guy that fucking coaches him, buddy. And I know who I'm taking. It's not fucking yours. Watching 30 minutes of fucking Spurs tape and condensed highlight footage uh, because you're too busy making draft boards for the 2026 draft class. Um, the Devin Vassell, is, that contract was stupid. And because that contract is stupid, I think it created issues for the Knicks. Uh, now, I'm not saying that without that contract having gone out, they 100% would have been able to come to an agreement quickly. I don't know that. And quite honestly, I think the way that quickly – look, this is a guy who clearly has a lot of self-confidence. I think not only does he have self-confidence, but I think he believes that he can be a starting point guard in this league, that he is a difference-making player. And guess what? Uh, I'm sure his agent has all the access to all the fancy numbers that we love espousing in his favor – he has every reason to believe that. Um, he started, what, 21 games last year? His numbers were really good when he started. I think he averaged something like whatever it was, like 27, 5, whatever. I mean, it, they were really good. You, you can look them up. His numbers, especially when he started without Brunson, was when he started a point guard, they're especially good. Um, I think he probably looked at that and... He probably looked at RJ's contract, which is 4-107-108, which is effectively what, you know, it's Vassell's contract with one less year on it. And I think he rightfully looked at that and was like, give me that, give me that contract. Why not? What about, I've done, I've done as much as these guys, if not more, specifically in the case of Devin fucking Vassell, who's in jack shit, other than rack up a bunch of numbers shooting a bunch of dog shit mid-range shots um, on the Spurs last year, who were the worst team in fucking basketball. So other than that, you know, Devin Vassell's done a lot in his career. Uh, but yeah, I think he rightfully looked at that and was like, oh yeah, these guys are, you know, give me that. Why why am I not worth that? And the Knicks have to approach it a little bit differently, right? They have to be like, well, look, yeah, you're not going to be the starting point guard. We love you, blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, and then the other part of this, which I kind of understand where the Knicks are coming from. And this is why, like, I think people need to pump the brakes on like, oh, the Vassell contract is amazing. It's so good. Oh, the Jaden McDaniels. And I like Jaden McDaniels a lot, by the way. Like, I Both really of those Jaden. contracts have risks. Like, I'm higher than you on Vassell, but, like, people think both of them are, like, these complete play. And this gets to another point I wanted to make that it's just kind of annoying. And, and we've talked about it a little bit. But, like, can you let players grow up? Like, can can we just let the fucking players like develop and get better over time? Like, not everybody's gonna be fucking Luca and just come out of the fucking wherever and score thirty points per game. Like, just because someone's good and a rising star, like they don't have to be D Wade. Jaden McDaniels doesn't have to be fucking Andre Kirilenko yet. Like, he can just be Jaden McDaniels. Anthony Edwards can just be fucking Anthony Edwards, dude. Like, I know he's really good at the end of last season. 
And I know he appeared to be the leading shot taker for Team USA and certainly wasn't the leading pass maker, right? Like, it, it's it's something that makes other discussions about the league worse because when you talk about someone like Devin Vassell, it becomes controversial for some fucking reason. For me, even though I fucking love Devin Vassell and I love him as a prospect and he's already cleared a lot of my expectations, like, calling a spade a spade about his defense is like, oh, well, like, he has defensive potential and he doesn't, like, yeah, that's all true, but guess what? That doesn't mean he's good at defense, dude. Like, he still has to do that. Like, you're in the NBA. You're not a draft prospect. You don't get by on, like, what you might do sometime. Like, he's a good shooter and he's shooting well. Great. Now let him work on the next things he has to work on, which is being a good defender and getting to the rim more than, like, once per game. Like, that's okay. It's okay for him to be decent with flaws that he's working on. Like, it's okay for all these guys. And Jaden McDaniels is the same thing. Like, he's an amazing defender. Probably, to me, one of the three best perimeter defenders in the NBA, if not the best. And guess what? Teams will not give a fuck about him on the three-point line. I don't give a shit that he shot 40% on, like, two per game or something. Like, he doesn't shoot the volume. It's not unlike Josh Hart. Literally, like, it's literally not unlike Josh Hart. Like, his shot might be a little prettier than Josh Hart, but, like, I could tell you Josh Hart's three-point shooting stats out of the Knicks, and nobody's going to give a shit on the other team. Like, yeah. I promise you he's the least respected shooter on the first seven rotation guys on the Timberwolves, and he's not really bussing down any off-the-dribble moves either. So, like... Yeah, and, and then, you know... Just fucking relax, guys. Like... Yeah, and, and I think, you know, forgetting those guys, if you want to compare quickly to guys that are kind of in the similar uh, family tree of players, okay? Jordan Poole signed a 4140 contract, and 128 of that is guaranteed or something. Tyler Hero signed a 4120 contract that, I don't know how much is guaranteed, I think most of it, 108, 110s, whatever it is. Um, those guys got money. And, like, guess what? Jordan Poole got salary dumped a year after signing that extension. He got salary dumped. Tyler Hero was not desirable. He was not a player that whose contract people want. And I'm not saying quickly is guaranteed. That, this is not a knock on quickly. This is just to say, if you're the Knicks, this is how you're looking at it. Like, you can't approach it as it's no risk. Like, I love quickly much as much as anybody. But you can't approach it as no risk. you got to try to minimize your own risk as much as you can. you got to try to minimize your liability. So you're looking at this and you'll be like, hey, quick, like we love you. But here are the facts. You know, you're you're not gonna be a starting point guard here. Um and like as good as you were in the regular season, you were not good in the playoffs. Not, not offensively anyway. You were bad. You were flat out bad offensively in the playoffs. We can't like we can't pay you this number. Whether you like just because the Timberwolves did a thing. And the Spurs did a thing doesn't mean we have to be held to those choices because they're not our choices. And I'm, I'm sure that they would that quickly would have been like, okay, well, what about RJ? And they would have probably been like, well, look, just because we paid RJ what he got paid doesn't mean we 100% do it again. It also doesn't mean I mean RJ's starting. He's a starter. That's he's also thick, he's, he's also a six six number three pick. Like yeah, that matters, unfortunately. Right. And so, and so, like, that's what it is. So, I would imagine that these 
negotiations weren't necessarily acrimonious. I think they're probably factual. And at the end of the I day, I don't think like, they. Yeah, I think they were quickly, just like, I understand quickly, where you're coming from, and we just can't agree right now. <laughs> and if quickly wants the Jaden McDaniels number, he wants the Devin Vassell number, which I think he's entitled to ask for based on just the market, obviously. It's on him to go out there and earn it, and like that's okay. I, I don't really have an issue with that. I don't have the issue. I don't have an issue with the Knicks saying, "Hey, we love you, but we can't go there right now." But if you put out another year like this, we're certainly happy to have a conversation next summer again. Um, I also would say this: like, I know that as soon as he didn't sign the extension, there's a lot of like, "Oh man, he's on his way out. He's going to get traded." Like, I'm sorry, I don't agree with that at all. Um, I think if anything, yeah, it, it doesn't re- make any sense. I actually think it reduces the odds that he goes, especially within the next year. Um, if he, if he's like, like, look at this way. If he plays, forget if he plays as well as yesterday, if he plays as well as he did last year, they're not going to trade him because he's too valuable. They want to win ball games. You're not going to get a, a player. They don't downgrade. Right. And they don't the, also, downgrade. the only way, the only way you would trade him in season is if it's in a package for a star. That can, that can effectively be another shot creator, right? And this is my problem when people are like, well, what if you could trade him for Ananobi? What if you could trade him for Ananobi? Like, well, even if you want to call that a lateral move, which I don't, but let's just say you want to call it a lateral move, but just it addresses some, oh, well, Ananobi gives us the big wing we don't have, blah, 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 fine. I'm not going to even get into the stuff with how it affects grind and why that would be very weird. Okay. Oh, Ananobi's not a shot creator. And we already saw in the playoffs last year what happened when Quickly and Randall played poorly. We saw how the offense cratered. How is Ananobi helping you at all? What what failsafe is he giving you? What added flexibility is he giving you offensively? None. He's giving you none. So this idea that like there's all these trades out here at by the deadline they can get done is ridiculous. Like, oh, let's trade quickly for Carly Towns. Like Deuce McBride is ready to play back a point. Based on what? Because he fucking had a nice fourth quarter and preseason game two against like the fucking i don't even remember who the fuck we played oh the timberwolves like really that's that's the, the standard oh he played well when we played the celtics in preseason like yeah he played well he was six of 18 from the floor i'm not saying that that tells you the whole story but like this is what we're judging it on really like basically a one game and a quarter of preseason basketball he's ready to fucking take quickly's role give me a fucking break dude like no shot they're not going to take that risk in season. And if they did, Tibbs would lose his mind. Like, I think Tibbs would go fucking crazy if they did that shit. Which is another reason why I don't think they will do it. So, I am I think he's probably... Like, so, I personally don't see him going out and trade in season. It, once it passes the deadline, if he's still on the roster, at that point, the Knicks almost kind of have to keep him. Because, what do you get... Like, if you go back and look at the sign-in trades that have been done for restricted free agents in recent history. Lonzo Ball, that return was shit. And you can tell me, well, Lonzo's broken now. Yeah, but he wasn't broken then. And if we're going to be honest, there's a lot of Knicks fans that should raise their hands up high and admit that they wanted Lonzo Ball. He was the missing piece is the point. Couldn't be me. Yeah. Was it you, Lonzo guy? Um, Yeah, but not for us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I... I'm saying it couldn't be like I did. Yeah. I like because there was all the Knicks fans who were like, "Oh, he's the point guard," and I'm like, "He's really good." Also, not a point guard. <laughs> yeah. So like, like, okay, that's one. Grant Williams, really good player. It's like has extended playoff experience. Been on. He's played 25 minutes a night, 28 minutes a night for a title contender. He's been in the NBA Finals. That guy moved for like it was a fucking first round pick swap in 2028 20, or something. 
And that's because that's all that the fucking Mavericks could get. And they were kind of between a rock and a hard place. Okay, that's so like, and and let's say that's what you could get for quickly. That's appealing now, really. Like that, that's fun. Like I don't, I don't get that. Um, and then it's like, I mean, what else are you doing? Like the, the, these RFA trades are never good. They're never good. You never get the value that of, the, of what you're giving up effectively. And like, I just don't see the Knicks doing that. I'm sorry. Like I think if push push comes to shove, and some teams like, hey, we're gonna give them thirty million a year, the Knicks will. They'll hold their nose, take a deep gulp, and fucking bite the bullet. Like they're gonna do it because, yeah, he'll be the highest paid player on the team for a year. <clears throat> and guess what? After that year, Jalen Brunson's gonna get a new contract. Julius Randle, if he's still here, might get a new contract. Now he's not gonna be the highest paid player on the team. It's not that big of a deal. Um, but I think they're willing to take that risk. And as long as they're willing to take the risk, I'm fine with it. What I'm not okay with is if. They're gonna sit there, and it's like, well, you know, fucking, we can't give him this much, so we have to move him now. It's like, I don't know. Like to me, is if they don't, what they have, what it really boils down to is this: you don't want to be the Mavericks when they let Jalen Brunson walk. You don't want to be that team. You don't want to view this guy as expendable because you have a primary ball handler, and because he gets a number that you don't want to pay him. It's not about what you want to pay him. It's about what he's worth. So if quickly gets a contract, let's say he gets exactly what Brunson got, four years, 104. If the Knicks pass on that because they're like, well, it'll take us another apron, and I'll be like, well, tough shit. Like, that's what you got to do. You got to retain the asset. And if you don't, that's a huge, monumental fuck up of, like, it's a monumental <clears throat> fuck up by management, which I don't think they it, it would be the biggest, it would easily be the biggest own goal that, this regime has had, which is why, like, you know, at the risk of sounding homerish, like, they're not really in the business of that. Like, they haven't really done anything that comes close to, like, a big own goal. And that's why, to me, it's, I mean, yeah, maybe, sure, Knicks or fans are tra- traumatized or whatever, but, like, more likely, it's exactly what you said. And, like, we've seen with Aiton, like, they're just going to sign him and keep him and then figure that shit out later. Like, if that means he goes out for Embiid, maybe. Maybe they send out other people and they keep him. Like, I don't know. There's lots of ways it could go down, but like really there's it, it would just be antithetical to everything we know about Leon and Brock to really fumble this and just not want to pay him and lose him for nothing or whatever. And then on top of that, I'll just say like Another like the big fear that I see from a lot of folks is like another team swooping in and you know a, a wild overpay of an offer sheet like that doesn't happen. It rarely like literally, literally that doesn't happen. That last time that happened, like I think Macri, uh, yeah, it was Hardaway Jr. It. It was Tim Hardaway, yeah, and that was what like 2017, yeah, some shit, yeah, like literally like. Everybody was like, oh, somebody going to, like, wild overpay for Cam Johnson? Like, no, nobody did that. Like, DeAndre Ayton got a large offer, which you could argue is an overpay for somebody who hasn't displayed that much shot creation, but he's also a number one pick who had a title run as a defensive anchor at a young age. So, like, he's not completely (laughs) theoretical, even if he has some consistency issues. And he failed my fantasy team on day one of the 2023-24 season. But, uh, 
you know, like it, it, it's just there's too many signs pointing towards more rational outcomes. And, you know, to go back to my initial philosophical armchair therapist spiel, like I think a lot of this shit is just Knicks fans don't want to be hurt and they've been hurt. But guys, this this is a boring ass front office, man. They just they literally just fucking crunch numbers and make prudent, boring fucking decisions. That's like what they do. I think I think it's a little bit more than that though, because I think I think, and I don't like this because I don't think it's a binary. Um, but I think a lot of it is, well, if you're gonna pay RJ the number, why would you not pay quickly the number? Because quickly has been better by a lot of metrics by basically any impact metric will tell you by all of them yeah, by every impact metric by aside from point per game every, yeah by every metric that tries to capture efficiency quickly is better and so i think it's like hey well if you're gonna pay if we're gonna say we're gonna pay our guys we take care of our guys if that's like our culture or whatever that's cool but then why don't you take care of this guy now like what's the issue here and i hear that and i think that's a valid point all i'll say is like I think even if they, even if in their hearts they're like, he's not just worth this, but he deserves this, they have to be a little bit cold hearted and be like, well, like. It's a fucking business. Yeah. Well, if we have to pay him this next year, if we had to pay him this next summer, fine. But if we pay him this now, it can hurt our flexibility in terms of being able to execute a, a star trade because it puts us closer to. The first apron, or it puts us in the first apron. It can, it'll put us in the second apron, whatever. It hurts our ability to potentially re-sign Isaiah Hartenstein, to re-sign Deuce, whatever it is they want to do. I'm not saying these are all accurate reasons or 100% true reasons. There's all kinds of ways you can go with it. All I'm saying is that these are all parts of the decision-making process, and they have to weigh that just as much as they have to weigh like the individual evaluation of Emmanuel quickly and what he's worth to their team. It only matters. Once, it, or if or when they decide the number is just not worth the value, and at that point we we can have a conversation in terms of like how much they value him, did they undervalue him, whatever. Um, but like for now, I I don't think you can say that any of that for sure. All you can say is that they didn't come to an agreement and quickly gets to play for his money. He gets to show exactly he he gets the showcase. Like Tibbs is not going to not play him. Because Leon has a negotiation going on with him at the end of the year, like that's not, gonna, and he's not going to play. He's not going to avoid playing him because they like w- need to trade him or whatever. Like there, there's no scenario where his playing time is getting dictated by the front office. It's kind of the point. Um, and so he's going to have every opportunity to earn himself whatever contract he wants, you know. And like I think it's also worth mentioning. People forget this too. Like the bar for these guards especially ones that aren't, like, highly drafted. And I mean, I know he was a high-pedigree recruit, but he's not been a high... He, he wasn't viewed that way once he got drafted, right? Once he said to Kentucky, one more year, he's not viewed that way. Um, but, like, he is... So Brunson was... one. Let's remember, he won two championships in college. He was a starting point guard on the championship team his last year in college. He was the Naismith Player of the Year. He got drafted in the second round. He made the playoffs two times in Dallas prior to his last season, and he was not very good in the playoffs to the point that Carlisle basically benched him. So when it was time in that offseason for his final year in Dallas to talk extension, Dallas would not offer him an extension. And his max extension at the time 
was basically a 455, 456, the same thing that Austin Reeves just signed with the Lakers. They wouldn't offer him that. And they wanted to keep him as a trade asset through the trade deadline. So they didn't offer that to him then. They offered it to him after the after the trade deadline. He said, no, I'm going to hit free agency. And when he hit free agency, obviously the Knicks were winning there with the bag. They gave him 4-104. And guess what? That contract is not universally viewed as some steal. And this is coming off of a stud playoff run. He was awesome in that playoffs. He had monster playoff games right off the bat, right from the jump. He was a monster. He played great all the way to Western Conference Finals. And even then, that contract is not viewed as a steal. It wasn't even viewed necessarily as a value. It was viewed about, I think the way people put it is, they paid market value. And that was like the favorable reading, right? They paid market value for him. The unfavorable reading was really all this for Jalen Brunson. They paid all this for Jalen Brunson. So my point is, even if we love quickly and we think he's a star and he's going to be a star and he does all these things and the box score doesn't capture his value and blah, 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 like, this isn't how front offices will view it. And unfortunately, or whether you agree or disagree, think it's weighted too heavily or not, that playoff performance for him is going to weigh heavily. Like, the teams are going to look at that. And if, like, I'll be honest, if he has a great regular season and he goes into the playoffs again and he doesn't perform at a high, high enough level, he's not going to get the contract he wants, no matter how good the regular season is. Because people, will, now he'll get the label, right? It's a regular season guy. Can't do it in the playoffs. Like, fair or unfair, that's what's going to happen. So, yeah, the regular season matters, but the playoffs matter for him a lot. And that's really where I think a lot of his, you know, if he wants a certain contract, he's going to have to play at a certain level when the playoffs come around offensively. Without that, it's not going to happen. I promise you. It won't. What, like, again, and I, I, I hear it. I hear, you know, when people be like, well, what has Devin Vassell done in the playoffs? What has Jaden McDonald done? They've done nothing. I agree with that. But they're winning. Well, let me, sorry, on that different. point, that, that's what I wanted to talk about a little bit. Is with a lot of these extensions, people forget, like, because quickly has demonstrated much more than RJ. Like, a I'll, lot just, of I'll just throw this out there. I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out there yeah. real quick before you go. Like, this happens. People don't do this in basketball for some reason. Well, they do it selectively. But, like, in football, there are certain positions you're going to get paid more than other positions because that position is more valuable. Like, a quarterback is more valuable than your right guard. Like, a wide receiver is more valuable than. Your outside receiver is more valuable than your in, like a slot receiver. No matter how good the slot receiver is, an outside receiver at the top end is going to get paid more than an inside receiver at the top end. It's just how it works. So like, this is the same concept as what is it being experienced here. Where yeah, guess what, dude? Wings, especially ones drafted in the lottery, and even ones like Jaden McDaniels, who because he's six nine and he's a great defender and has shot the three decently well, and you can see the contours of like of a potential offensive not star but a high level starter. I mean he is a high level starter already, but a high level offensive player potentially. Like because of that, you'll you'll take that bet. Is that right? I don't know. I kind of think size is overweighted, overrated, overvalued, however you want to put it in the NBA now. But that is how it is. I'm not saying how it should be, I'm saying how it is, you know? What's the what's the P Diddy line? You just mad? Because I because <laughs> I tell it how it is and you tell it how it might be. Yeah, yeah, and I was going to touch on a similar point um, without quoting the, one of the great sages of our time, and uh, that's that extensions are very often about what a player might do. Shocking, shocking. And once upon a time, once upon a time, RJ had come off of a season of inefficiency with 
another inefficiency, another inefficient season, but at a much higher usage with decent defense. And uh, he was still six foot seven. He was still jacked. And he was really good at driving. And one year before that, he had shot over 40% from three. And he was still extremely young. Like, that's when they decided to pay RJ. He had not had a single year where he really took a step back in any meaningful regard. I know he shot, you could say he took a step back from three between year two and year three, where he went from, you know, high percentage to a lower percentage, but he had much higher usage and he was the number one option and blah, blah, blah. So like, or not the number one option, but like he had number one option type usage stretches. So like, you got to erase last year and go back to the actual decision time when they extended him after the Don or during the Donnie negotiations. And I'm not saying everybody thought it was some fucking great deal, but like it was a wide acknowledgement that, yeah, you're paying RJ for what he could do in the future. And guess what? Devin Vassell got paid for what he could do in the future, even though he's been dog shit at defense, still was a defensive prospect, increased his three-point rate, was a pretty good mid-range shooter, even if he relied on it too much, still 6'5", 6'6", increased his athleticism. Jaden McDaniels, you know, elite defender, still hasn't done anything on offense. League's better than Devin Vassell, don't get me wrong, and RJ, but like... Here's the point. Theoretical right? on what? offense, he's getting paid for what he could be, well, and 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 that's we did be- partly that's right? because of how tall they are. Right, and and we did it with RJ, and guess what? RJ had a bad season, right? Last year, we all that happens sometimes. People. Right, right, and here's the thing: how many people are now sitting there talking about RJ's contract as a steal? Who's saying that? Anybody saying that? Is a soul is a single soul saying that's a steal right now? No, no, they're not. Actually, I've seen a lot of people talk about. It as, is it, it's neutral value. It's negative value even, maybe, right? Right. I've seen that. I've seen that conversation. Guess what? I can promise you in a year a year from now, a year from now, if Jaden McDaniels makes zero offensive progress, if Devin Vassell is just getting empty numbers, racking up empty numbers on a terrible Spurs team, he's, like, this is not going to, like, it's not going to be viewed positively. Like, it's just not. It, it, those contracts will be they will be viewed as as negative value contracts, and just like Jordan Poole, right? And so, like that's this is part of the equation. Like you 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 can't you can't assume no risk. You always have to assume downside. You always have to bake that in. And so, like even if you're the Knicks, right? If if Quickly's agents like, hey, look, like you gave RJ this deal, why the fuck not give me? Like you can't tell me that. He, RJ has been more impactful to your team over the last three years than Emmanuel quickly, especially not last year. Right. Um, and they can be like, well, guess what? Like you're right. But we, we actually, we think we overpaid on the, on the RJ deal. So now what? Right. Like, like if that's what they say, then like you, they can't, you can't be like, well, you made this decision. If they say, well, that was the wrong decision. Shouldn't have paid him that much. Maybe we should have let him play another year. You know? Yeah. You're a comeback. If your IQ's agent can't be, do a wrong decision for us. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not saying, and I'm not saying it's the wrong decision. I'm just saying, like that's this is the like the weird back and forth agents gonna have, and I'm sure like Leon Leon Rose also can't like he can't actually say like actually the RJ contract is a mistake, so he has to like find some way to 
say that without quite saying it because you don't want shit like that to get out. Uh, and you definitely don't want to be telling that to some other agent. Like, hey, uh, but that guy might just go to like, hey, RJ, guess what Leon told me the other day? Uh, you might be interested to hear this, buddy. Um, but like, yeah, like I, I think it's it's a tough thing. Uh, and I feel bad for him. I will say this. This is the last part of this I want to talk about before we wrap up here. I'm very, very curious to see how all the minutes unfold this year. Because if you think this quickly negotiation was tricky, the Quentin Grimes negotiation in a year from now is going to be a lot harder. Because guess what? Quentin Grimes, he can look at those guys and be like, well, I'm a wing. Your starting lineup sucked until I got in there. Really, it sucked. Like, I, I, we all know this. I don't even need the numbers. He we can try this. to say he's a wing, but like, there's enough plausible deniability there that I'm, no. they're like, you defend no, wings, dude. Yeah, but he'll be, like, be like... Something magical happens when you're 6'5 in those yeah. negotiations, bro. 6'4 yeah, is like, I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> yeah, but but he'll be like, yeah, but I defend Jimmy Butler. I defend... I, you had me on Jason Tim. You had me on Jalen Brown. You you put me on wings. I'm a wing. I hear you. I hear you. I'm just yeah. saying. I'm, I'm, I'm think, a little dubious. Be, That's all. I think it's going to be a tough <laughs> negotiation because he's not going to get the offensive role he wants this year. It's not going to happen. Um, and I, st- I don't think that brings down what he wants. Like, I, I think his ask is going to be very high. And rightfully so. I'd ask for the fucking moon if I were him too because I'd be like, hey, well, just because you're not willing to give me the role, I, the exact role I want and just because I have to stand in the corner for this team doesn't mean I got to stand in the corner for every team or it doesn't mean that I, I can't do more, right? And I think that's the tough part of this for them because, like, you got quickly who hopefully you're going to have to pay. You have the two extensions potentially, right, for Brunson and Randall in the pipeline. And then now you're going to have to negotiate an extension for Grimes potentially that would kick in a year later. And that's all very hard. Um, but I'm very, very curious to see how this Clinton Grimes things work out because I do think he will be watched. I'm sure he, him, or maybe not him, but his agent anyway, watched this quickly negotiation very intently um, and and wanted to see how some things worked out because the other part of this too that he can go to with them is like, hey, remember that time? You remember that time that you traded for Donovan Mitchell, but then you didn't because you wanted to keep me? Yeah, I remember that time. And guess who else remembers that time? My fucking bank account remembers that time. Um, so it's time to show me how much you value not trading for Donovan Mitchell. I don't know. I think it's going to be a very interesting negotiation. I think we now at least know that even if the Knicks want to sign their guys and re-sign their guys when they can, that they're not going to be held ransom. I, and I want to be clear. I am not saying quickly. It was like, give me the fucking super max or I'm out of here. I'm just saying like, they are going to play hardball, even if they like these guys and they want to keep them. Like they will not just acquiesce to whatever demands are made. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't even wrap my head around where the Knicks will be in next off season. I wonder why. What was that supposed to be? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't. There's too many cat mechanics at play with fucking a possible Joel trade and all that shit. Like, who's gonna be left? Who's not? I don't fucking know. And then, I mean, there's Hartenstein too. Like, this is this is a yeah. tricky next couple of years for the for the Knicks. And I and I, if nothing else, they bought themselves a little time here. They bought themselves a little time to like 
wrap their head around what do we want to do? What is kind of like the new reality of the cap and how are we going to manage this and all that type of stuff. They've, they've given themselves an opportunity now to, to, you know, the better part of a year here to plan out. Um, but it's not easy. Like it's definitely not going to be easy for them to do it. So you've got to, we've got to see what, how it works out. Um, I am very curious though, because it's, again, it's not just quickly, right? It's quickly. It's Hardenstein, even Deuce. Like, um, if you want to have a really fun conversation with Jeremy, talk to him about Deuce McBride and tradable salary. That'll fucking knock your socks off. Uh, um, but like, Jamie it's a just, good... Jeremy just catching nuclear strays at the end of the pod here. Yeah. Just, it's a really fun conversation if that's your thing. Uh, <laughs> but, but like, it's a good point, though. I mean, it's not a conversation that a lot of people want to have. Prez definitely doesn't want to have it ever. Absolutely um, not. Yeah, but but like these are all the stuff. These are all the things they have to weigh, right? What's the value of keeping our guys? What's the price point where we walk away? What can we get in trade that makes it worth it for us? How are we going to get a star? Can we get Joel Embiid? Can we get this guy? Or do we have to push our trips out another year? Like it's all very very interesting, and uh, I'm very happy I don't have to make these decisions because that would suck yeah that's why leon gets the big bucks and that's why we get the patreon bucks which we appreciate yes. very much yes thank you dollar patrons um is there anything else you want to talk about we get out of here not really i am not about to overanalyze i know we love doing non-nick segments as the season goes on but not I mean, today. It's one game. Yeah, it's not today. Game. <laughs> uh, I did. I I will say we did get confirmation yesterday that uh, Mark Williams is the truth. So, yes, the Mark Williams agenda is alive and well. Mark Williams hive at Strickland for some reason. A Knicks unusually large hive. <laughs> a, a, a group of Knicks fans with uh, an, a disproportionate number of Mark Williams stands. It exists. Um, yeah, pretty excited for basketball to be back. Excited to watch how all this stuff unfolds. Uh, all right, Prez, let people know where they can find you. Plug anything you'd like to plug. Uh, you can find me at underscore Presidente on Twitter. And uh, I will plug all of the beginning of season content at the Strickland that we got. We already did a roundtable. Miranda did a great recap, starting with historical anecdotes, which is like his super move. Um, we got this Emmanuel Quickly extension column coming. There's a lot of there's a lot of good pieces coming, so check it out. Um, yeah, and uh, I will plug this column that me and Prez have coming out tomorrow. This hopefully it'll be out by the heavy listen to this. Uh, and I will plug all the work of the Strickland. Check out Strictly NFL. It's really good. Con and Jeff are doing great work on there. Uh, they should have a very special guest next week, so keep an eye out for that. Um, I'll also plug takes from Avis Bozos, which uh, they just dropped their second episode last weekend. That is, again, with Drew and Zach doing great work. And uh, I'll plug all the other work with Strickland. I'll plug Matthew Miranda's wonderful recap of the opening game, uh, as only the professor himself can capture. And aside from that, oh, and I want to just shout out Gigi and Matt again for all the great work they did for the WNBA season. Uh, for us, it was great. And Hell yeah. Looking forward to uh, what they have cooking for next year for Liberty. Uh, all right, that is our show for today. Thank you to Bet Online for sponsoring it. Hope everybody has a great weekend, and I will see you on 
Monday. Uh, Knicks doubleheader tomorrow and Saturday. Um, so good luck to them. Hopefully we beat the Hawks and the Cavs. That'd be great. Everything we play the Cavs. Do we play the Cavs? Is that what playing? No idea. No idea. Let's see real quick. Let's do this real quick. All right. Knicks. Oh, Knicks. Pel- okay. So they play the Cavs on Tuesday, but they play the Hawks tomorrow on the road. Are they winning that? I don't know. The Hawks are your favorite team, near title contenders, as I understand from being your co-host this summer. Um, especially now that Jalen the- Johnson is unleashed upon the masses. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, uh, they were defeated by the all-father, Mark Williams. Yesterday. Yeah, you can be powerful, but you can't be that powerful. So uh, let's, hold, let's hope we have a Mark Williams-like energy on our team. Hawks tomorrow, Pelicans on Saturday. What do you think? Uh, two dubs. All right. I will say they split. I think they win tomorrow and lose to the Pelicans on Saturday. Uh, all right. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. And I'll see you on Monday.